Hello Rescuers! I've taken the decision to end Season 6 of Roleplay Rescue and move into Season 7 at a reduced pace. When I started Roleplay Rescue about 20 months ago now, it was going to be a weekly show released on a Saturday. And that's how I ran it for at least two seasons before Frank Turfler came up with the idea of doing the Dungeon Master's Diary, a kind of journal, as it was back then, the GM's journal, of my thoughts and feelings through the week. What's happened over time is that, obviously, Roleplay Rescue has grown in popularity, and the Dungeon Master's Diary has become a thing in its own right, and that meant two episodes a week, which has actually been pretty tough to keep up with, if I'm honest. So as we come to a change at the end of the COVID pandemic kind of phase one, I've decided to go back to one episode a week. And what it's going to look like is very simple. I'm going to put out an episode on a Saturday. And the first week, it'll be a regular Roleplay Rescue episode. And in the off week, it will be Dungeon Master's Diary. And I'll just alternate Saturday by Saturday. I hope that that's okay with you guys. I hope that you won't mind me dialing things back. I basically want more space to think, to play, to write. And one of the best ways I can think of to do that is to focus on quality over quantity. So this is the last episode. I wasn't even going to put this out, but I figured that if I don't, I'm going to have an absolute truck ton to do in the first episode of Season 7. So without any further ado, here's episode 43. Things he won't share with us The darkness in his brain The dungeon master's plan The pleasure and the pain What's better left unknown Keep calling out to me I hear him think out loud To die Only the brave shall come My name is Che Webster, and this is the Roleplay Rescue Dungeon Master's Diary. Hey Che, just listen to Dungeon Master Diary 42. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, I agree with you. I I enjoyed the talk with you, with you and Arlen and Evil Jeff there a little bit. Look forward to further talks, you know, just chats online. But as far as Rollmaster and the Merp and the Middle Earth Roleplay, the source books. You know, during the 80s, when I found my entry was actually through Merp and, and then into Rollmaster through that. But, you know, those source books really colored my view of Middle Earth as well. Because I came across those and I was buying them and buying Middle Earth encyclopedias and Middle Earth map books and all those kind of things and Middle Earth berries. And, and I still have all those. And, and you, I go back and, and look at my thoughts, and, and it's a mixture of all that stuff of what Middle Earth is, you, you know, because I wasn't maybe mature enough. I think I wasn't maybe mature enough to really get the novels. At the, I mean, I read them all. I, I even read the Cimmerillion, and what, I guess I've been in high school. But honestly, you, you know, I defaulted more towards the action kind of stuff and skipped over some of the songs or skimmed them, you know. So the Middle Earth role-playing books really more formed my view of Middle Earth. And I've gone back since then, about once every decade I, I read the, the trilogy, The Hobbit and Similar Alien. And um, 
yeah, I've got a much greater appreciation of Tolkien now that I'm mature enough to understand it and, and really get it. But I still have a lot of fond memories of those old source books. And you talk about a toolkit and universal system. I don't know if you ever play with Space Master, but if you plug in Space Master and uh, Cyberspace, I think it was a cyberpunk version, you, you, you can pretty much do any world. Maybe not superpowers, but otherwise you can do it. It's Saturday afternoon, and I'm quite chuffed because uh, it's Han night tonight, and second session, um, June 27th, 7pm, um, and I was, I was quite pleased on a number of grounds. I've actually managed to sort of, I spent uh, one hour and 45 minutes, um, and it was, you know, me faffing about a bit, but basically really quite good. I managed to... I'm working through a checklist. I've sort of built a checklist, which is a kind of blend of John Four's uh, loopy planning approach and the, ang- um, the angry GM. Oh, it does have some stuff from the angry GM, but the um, the approach taken by the uh, lazy GM. That's what I was going to do, lazy dungeon master stuff. And, um, yeah, <laughs> it was all right, actually. But uh, it is, I mean, some good stuff in there. I think the best thing in it is like the trying to like, can you write down the names of the characters and what they're about and what they want? And honestly, after a month, I, I couldn't remember very well. But I, I remember like, I think three of the five names and I can remember the, all the, the roles, which is really, really cool. So that was that was nice. Um, and then sort of working out the, you know, sort of set up um i took a tip out of the angry gm which is to sort of write a five sentence um recap which i will um, share tonight and then kind of working on the likely trajectory really you know um we're into the the angry dm sorry the lazy dungeon masters approach of um you know trying to start close to the action trying to make it exciting and interesting and, and grabbing them thinking about the locations that they might go on and i and and uh john Ford's stuff is about thinking about the likely i quite like the phrase the likely trajectory um of the of the evening so that's quite fun you know where they might they go um i've got it loose i, I essentially i ran out of time i mean there's many things i could have done um uh, in addition but uh i actually felt like i've got enough to run um actually probably i mean my my gut is always um i always feel like i don't have enough and i find on the night i usually do have too much so i'm hoping that feeling slightly underpacked will probably be about right um we'll see how it goes anyway i'm just quite happy to have got that done and looking forward to the session because i was a a bit unsure about how i was feeling about it Um, but once you get prepped i think you kind of about getting yourself ready isn't it that feeling of i can do this you know i'm up for it um I, I could do with honestly could do with some time to go back and remind myself of how fighting works in GURPS and things like that because it literally has been a month since I've run a game in that system. But um, hey, game on. It's Saturday night. It's about quarter past 11 at night and what a brutal, brutal session in Harlem that was. Oh my goodness. Great, really good fun. And thanks so much to Derek, Bob, Lan, Simon and Richard for making that an entertaining evening. But... Um, yeah, they were awoken in the night by raiders in the compound of um, the village. They were out of the village, um, Reeves Manor. Um, and someone was basically trying to steal the horse that belonged to the knight, Simon. Um So they awoke and they, they fought uh, what turned out to be Gargoon, which is the Harnik Orc. 
and um, he killed five of them, pursued and tracked. Uh, Simon was badly injured during the battle, so him and um, Connor, the piece of Peone, uh, stayed back at the, the manor while the other three, uh, Dolan Wiglaf and Geffrin, went off in pursuit of... Uh, trying to track down and find a location there. They were very, very specific about, we want to track them, we don't want to engage them. And then they walked into the trap. And uh, it was the uh, impetuous sorry, nature of Dolan running into the middle of the camp, triggering an ambush. And it all went downhill from there. And so I'm afraid to say that three characters died. Um, well, two of them went unconscious, one died. One of the longest protracted battles in a while but um good and of course unfortunately gargoon are carnivorous and not at all bothered about eating man flesh so yeah three new characters needed for next time it was a great session it was good fun um and i hope they enjoyed it game on it's monday morning and before i dive too far headlong into work today i thought i would record a quick um a sort of thought really about Saturday night's game in Webster's Hahn, um, which was an interesting experience for me on a number of different levels, really. So uh, the background to that was really that uh, the previous session, the guys had, had been given a mission to go uh, north from the capital city of Tashel, and they had made it um, several leagues north, uh, I don't know, maybe 10 or so leagues north, um, a bit further and I had essentially stopped at a couple of villages along the way and stopped in this village of Melina which was being raided really by kind of cattle rustlers now the players had previously there had been some random encounters which essentially along the way had um, fed this particular narrative this subplot because um, they'd come across tracks and spore of uh, sort of Basically, there was a kill. Uh, some they thought maybe a bear had killed something and been driven off. And there were other tracks which had sort of humanoid uh, feet, but with claws. And the players themselves had decided this is probably Gargun. Gargun are the uh, the Harnik orcs, and there are many breeds of them. Um, so coming into the session, I was I was sort of ready for this. They had decided they wanted to track these Harnik orcs, and um, so I did a couple of things. Uh, to try really the first thing i tried was uh that i, I decided to take the the tip from the um lazy dungeon master and start the action as close as i could so because the um, orcs had been raiding um i decided that they would actually mount a raid upon the actual compound of this small village i mean we're talking a village of sub 50 people um, and it has a manor house which had a low stone wall around it and I think it was actually seeing the map again and realizing that the map I'd chosen the, uh, the low stone wall around it was a low stone wall not a high stone wall and it suddenly sort of occurred to me that you know if you've got something else about sort of waist-ish maybe chest high that ain't going to keep um, much more than uh, sort of cattle from wandering really and of course, the knights who'd been travelling up the road and, and almost certainly been spotted by the uh, these raiders uh, was on a horse, uh, which are incredibly valuable. So my thought was maybe these um, gargoon would go horse rustling. And so in the middle of the night, they the, they started the session with the middle of the night, uh, maybe midnight or something like that. And the there's a, cry, a shout is risen as a guard, the lone guard um, outside has sort of spotted uh, these raiders coming in and um this was actually a, a cool uh encounter it did take us uh, a goodly while because it 
we um, we got into it, and then it's sort of obviously into a fairly detailed GURPS combat, and I'll talk about GURPS combat in a moment. Um, but it was incredibly fun, and um, you know the, the, the kind of running out and the, the, the distances involved in a one by second by one second combat round thing was was kind of fun. It just was actually good fun um, in a way that I. I uh, I kind of want to re- reflect on in a moment that's sort of different from what I perhaps might have wanted when I first sat down to play Webster's Harm. But anyway, um, essentially, you know, the knight and uh, got injured, uh, some sort of mishap, some great, great moments like vaulting a fence and coming into combat and then getting sort of smacked down with his shields. A rush kind of went awry and he got smacked down by this... Uh, this um, Harnick Orc, and it was great. And they they defeated the uh, five raiders that were raiding, trying to rustle the horse. And the horse itself probably proved to be the most effective combatant. And it was all good fun. Um, and and so so far so good. You know, I'm kind of thinking, well, they'll probably want to try and track the Gargoon. I wasn't wrong. They decided to do so, but because of the injuries of Sermon, they they uh, left behind. They split the party essentially. They left behind the Peonian priest uh, Connor and uh, Sermon himself to recover, and the more experienced trackers decided to go out and try and just you know find out if there were any survivors of this. They were fairly sure there were two maybe a pair of uh, extra Gargoon from the three they had killed uh, who had got away. And um, these guys had had bows, fired a couple of shots and then sort of disappeared. Um, in, in actual fact, what they had is that those orcs, had, one of them had broken his bow in a, in a wonderfully fumbled shot and the other one um, had uh, managed to sort of lose his balance and then within, uh, you know, a few seconds they saw the, the, the fight going, they kind of decided to... Um, watch a bit and couldn't really get a, a good shot and then decided to disengage as they saw that their their compatriots getting getting uh, taken out the guys would track those down um from the uh, there's a sort of a hedged um uh, area of uh, what would you call it you call it pasture that's the word i'm looking for um which is where these two orcs had been positioned able to oversee from the hillside into the into the combat and shoot in at extreme range it had to be said with their their short bows which aren't it wasn't terribly effective which is why they kind of buggered off um but these guys they followed their tracks down to the edge of a forest on the um, western side of the sorry on the eastern side of the village and then uh promptly lost them because these tracks it appears that these guys kind of just essentially ceased moving on the ground and they had, I, I guess correctly assumed they got up into the trees um gargu araka uh, in my uh, in my conception they often like to take to the trees move through them uh, they're sort of gobliny small gobliny things and i quite like the idea of them moving through the trees monkey like i suppose or ape you know sort of um to sort of uh, keep themselves off the ground where they can to try and break their tracks and um i had decided that they would draw to the camp they had they had a camp down by the river well they had a camp um which turned out to be down by the river because I actually hadn't decided exactly where to place it. And the guys decided that they would uh, first follow the road south and um, track down towards the river. And uh, I made a, a sort of thought, thought there's a there's a nine or less chance they would be down by the river. It made perfect sense for them to be down by the river. And yes, they were down by the river. Um, so the forest is a forested kind of um, uh, area which led down to the riverside, um, quite a wide river. And... I had them in the clearing. Uh, the Gargan had a, a sort of a fire pit and a couple of guys on guard. And 
some of the other guys up in the trees, up in slings in the trees to keep them off the ground <clears throat> and uh, to make them harder to spot, really. And at this point, it's sort of where it went wrong because the party decided to, they were at the edge of this, they were aware it was really quiet and they could see this camp and it was lazy, sort of the embers of, of a fire kind of lazily drifting. <clears throat> and they, um, they, they correctly uh, guessed that this is probably the site of the, you know, the Gargan. But um, then one of the players decided, you know, uh, the, the, the player, uh, uh, one of the characters decided to sort of, he, he's a headstrong, overconfident kind of character, decided to sort of stride into the, into the clearing and uh, through one thing and another, they got themselves engaged. Uh, the Gargan who were waiting in ambush uh, with a, bows shot around uh, ineffectively and then engaged them in combat and the ones up in the trees there were a total of seven i think uh the ones up in the trees started to wake up and come out of their slings and um sort of uh, there was a couple of daggers thrown down and then there was um then sort of jumping down and in, engaging in combat and uh you know this this was um kind of where it all turned to worms and as i think i mentioned the other night on the night um essentially these three characters that had gone off from the other two split the party ended up being taken down two of them knocked unconscious from battle and one of them actually outright killed although it was one of the longest and most protracted fights i've had <clears throat> with gurps this guy just would not go down um and it led me to some thoughts um uh, because i as part of me that felt bad about what was essentially a, a sort of three-fifths of the party kill. Uh, it's not a total party because technically because the other two were away, but the party that was there was eliminated. And they could see this coming. In fact, the players mentioned it quite early on that they were going to be... They realised they were outnumbered and they should withdraw. And then they didn't withdraw. One of the characters started to run and was pursued. Another character was trying to make a fighting retreat. Um, but essentially... And a third character was on the tree line, sort of sh giving support with a bow. And quite effective, it has to be said. He was the, the one who actually went down and died. Um, but essentially, they, they just did not retreat in quick enough order and good enough order. And they were allowed the Gargoon, essentially, to come down out of trees. Now, I'm going to be honest here. I, I, I kind of delayed that uh, build-up as well. I kind of... I left it several rounds before the Gargoon... You know, the Gargoon were surprised. So there was some surprise rolls going on and the chance that they weren't reacting very quickly. They were sort of stunned a bit. But, uh, you know, very quickly they started to come down. I had them hesitant. I had them jump down. Some of them were injured from that. Um, you know, the Gargoon did everything. They were they were fighting recklessly, as I feel they would. They were, like, you know, um, leaving the guys who'd gone unconscious behind. They weren't, like, butchering them. I tried to give every opportunity I could for the players to disengage, and they refused. I think to take it, they just didn't take that. They 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 kept holding on. I think to hope that they would they perhaps overcome it. I don't know. I I, I really don't know what was going through their minds. But it was to me really quite interesting and also quite scary because I I didn't want them to die. You know, I found myself I was rooting for the heroes, and I and I really you know I didn't want that to happen. But um. That was the choice they made. They they went in. They went in recklessly. They didn't disengage, um, and then they decided to make a last stand when it was clearly, you know, even the player. So as a character went down, even the other two didn't decided not to leave their compatriot, but they didn't even particularly try to rescue him. So it was just a mess um, in terms of the outcome. And whilst an entertaining thing, you know, a long and protracted fight, which ultimately led to their demise. And I had this horrible dilemma towards the end because. My instinct was cut this fight short, um, but there was this one character up and fighting, and the player seemed to be really enjoying the the cut and thrust of it, really. And um, 
And everybody else had to sit and watch for a goodly extra 30 minutes or so of playtime while this guy stubbornly fought and took down a couple more Gargoon and heroically died. Um, honestly, we could see the way it was going, you know, a long while before. And I, I, I don't know, I don't... In, in um, another game, I might have just cut that short and um, cut away. But uh, no, I didn't, and I stuck with it. So, yeah, that was that was the, the thing that I found difficult. Now, here was the thing. I... Um, I realised, you know, that I thought part of the evening, and I realised that we were in a very. Um, I was playing without battle mat. I was playing without miniatures, but we were playing on fancy grounds with the combat tracker, and it it was still very much in this kind of um, tactical battle mindset, which um, I enjoy a lot, but which I had been seeking to move away from. And, um, of course, I realized as I was playing, it was this tactical, the tactical nature of the GURPS combat system in the one second by one second rounds and all the rest of it was essentially reinforcing this. And I had this real realization, deep realization that the system here was stopping me from reaching the immersion I had imagined I was going to be able to have. And, um, as I've, I've had this I know this, you know, I know that system matters and I know that um, these things kind of happen. But um, I, I allowed myself to get into that deeply tactical combat with GURPS. And um, and it was fine and it was fun until it wasn't. Uh, when it started to become protracted, um, I didn't have the courage to cut it short because I felt that the guys, were in, the guys themselves, the players were enjoying that tactical fight. Those guys, majority of them anyway, seemed to enjoy that. And yeah, I just didn't have the courage to break away from it. And I didn't know if that was the right thing or the wrong thing, but it was the thing I did. And I guess, you know, that, that was the thing. And, and I realized that as the evening went on, we moved away from the sort of narrated combat of the first scene, which was quite nicely narrated into a much more mechanical uh, process. And I think it's because part of it was because I'd lost not interest isn't the right word not hadn't lost interest in the fight but i'd lost my investment in that i it was no longer uncertain it was certain that the death spiral had begun they were going to be defeated and i just i was going through the motions at that point and um and it wasn't not enjoyable but it wasn't what i was there for which is a really interesting thing to think about so i've got a lot to think about there and a lot to ruminate on and it's not a problem of game it isn't a problem it's just about expectations like my expectation in in presenting was Bobster's Hahn and in using GURPS in the way I was using it because you know I could absolutely change the way in which I run these things but it's a it's a discussion I had not had with the players and so I didn't feel confident enough to just cut it short and that was what was causing me not angst but that little bit of um, consternation in the evening and I just felt by the end, I just felt like I was disappointed with the outcome of that. Not because they had been defeated and killed. I thought, you know, obviously I was disappointed with that. But that wasn't my, the source of my real disappointment was in that I felt that I had allowed my desire to become more, a bit more narrative um, in my style, a lot more immersive in my style, to actually devolve into a pretty gritty tactical fight that I, I, I had wanted to step away from. So there you go. I've admitted it. Don't know what you make of that. I've been thinking a lot about the um, mechanisms of combat, really. And I find that this is the area where 
I have the biggest difficulty, I suppose. I um, I love granularity and detail in the combat, uh, and yet at times, as I, I related, I think in in thinking about Saturday's game, it can become a sort of a grinding of those mechanisms, which overtakes the sort of uh, yeah the narrative immersion really, and I um, and I think that the heart of this problem isn't actually as much the mechanisms of play as their application. I think to put it really simply, I think that on Saturday, for example, I just lacked imagination in my play. Um, yeah, we got into a basically a stand-up fight where there's one hero surrounded by six um, orcs. Okay. And it's just, you know, he hits, they hits. And, it was a very unimaginative combat. I mean, why on earth did not, as the orcs charged in, one of them, for example, slam into him, knock him to the ground and try to disarm him? Because I think in an, in a real fight where you, know, you outnumber your foes six to one, you are not going to just sit and trade blows. In fact, um, you know, for starters, I think that... Uh, that this lack of imagination is on all sides. Uh, not to criticise the player, um, to say rather that you know if you don't want to die, then surrender, then or or find some way of escaping, or find some way of um, you know just a way out is what you need, and it isn't necessarily fighting to the death. I feel as though, um, in some ways, as a games master, you know, when I get tired at the end, of, I mean, this is the other thing, it's towards the end of a four-hour gaming session and you're tired um, and you are um, applying the mechanisms of play. And I think that, you know, my tendency tends to be at that point to sort of slip into, uh, I think what Colin Spike Pitt Green described uh, in a podcast recently as that sort of they become a bit glazed over dealing with all of the numbers of you know combatants and all the details of it, and I feel like is a disconnect you know the disconnection increasingly is just disconnection from the description and the immersion of what you're trying to create that leads you into a sort of mechanism mechanistic grind, and uh, I think that that language is quite is quite evocative because you know it's like when you grind the gears on your car isn't it that you kind of don't quite get it right and um you miss it and it, you sort of you know there's that horrible noise <laughs> and um for me that's that's kind of the dissonance that I feel when that happens in gaming and I don't I don't think it's a problem of that the game rules because it's it's actually you know it's like with any tool how we use that tool can be appropriate or inappropriate and and there's a there's a time for it and then there's a time for other things and um i think that you know like i said that just having the my orcs in that situation behave differently would have made it more interesting and um so it's a failure on my part of imagination and not because i'm a bad guy or a bad gm just because i am not used to thinking in in a more immersive and um manner you know that i've lent too long and too hard for, for my simulation upon the mechanisms of play and um and not because those mechanisms are too heavy or crunchy 
but because um, it is easy to go through the motions with them instead of thinking about and finding ways to make the situation more imaginative, more interesting, more more believable, really. Um, yeah, so I've got a lot to think about and a lot to ponder there because I don't think it's just... A, I think it's about methods of play again. I think it's coming back to how we play and how we use those those mechanisms, those rules. Uh, and the world that we're in as well, understanding the world that we're in. You know, I felt like I was understanding the orcs are brutal and nasty and they are they are almost crazed. Um, yeah. And they're monstrous in the eyes of the humans. But monsters don't have to be stupid and and even the, you know, I mean, the, the orcs aren't in, in Han aren't any more or less stupid than the average human, you know. And they want to survive. They might have short lives, and it might be brutish, their life. But it, uh, but it is still a life they want to hold on to. They won't throw it away senselessly. And I feel like you know this is the, again, this is that thing of oversimplifying, a characterization really as well that I feel is, it's just um, it's not as rich as I want it to be. You know, I've got a lot to think. I've got a lot to learn as a GM. It's cool. It's Wednesday, July the 1st, and uh, before I go to work this morning, I needed to capture some thoughts. Uh, last night, I was uh, very fortunate in that uh, Daniel Jones and I managed to get online and have a conversation, really, a private conversation about um, my world, my Kovnia, and his game, Primeval Fantasy. And uh, while I won't talk about the, the game, because, you know, that is really not fair of me to do, I... Um, I've been brought in behind the veil a little bit and uh, oh, it was a fantastic conversation, so rich and uh, such a meeting of minds, I feel. And also such an adventure for me in terms of starting to find this other world that I want to explore uh, through gaming. And uh, it is a wonderful thing that Daniel has you know, brought me into his thinking and helped me to see where he is at and um, the direction of travel, really, that he is upon um, as a gamer and to take part in that, really. And I slept so well last night and, of course, I dreamed of my Kovnia. And, um, again, I'm not going to speak of that too much, but, uh, yeah, it's just such joy to connect my hobby um, and my heart, I think, um, in a way that really is beyond hobby. I've always found that word to be, again, inadequate. Um, and although Andy Goodman makes fun of me talking about, you know, me, Mr. No Fun, um, as I spoke about fun being such an inadequate word for the joy and richness that I experience when, when the other world uh, kind of comes to call. Um, yeah, there, there is sort of just something deeper going on and um, I really enjoy that and I really appreciate that and I wanted to capture that and here's the weirdest thing so this morning um, I'm taking some time for prayer and, and thinking and then I'm looking up at the, at the books on the dusty books upon the shelves and um, you know there's, there's novels and there's non-fiction there and then just my eyes fell upon um, the collection of the works of Tolkien, stuff that I I didn't even really consciously know I had. So I'm talking about the um, first five volumes of the History of Middle-earth, the Lost Tale, Book of Lost Tales and, and such. And, um, you know, 
it'll shock people if I tell you that I, I have not read these books, that I've never completed reading the Silmarillion. I've read The Lord of the Rings and I read The Hobbit and I found The Hobbit to be um, less uh, enjoyable than The Lord of the Rings. And um, I have, in fact, begun rereading The Lord of the Rings in the last few days uh, in a wonderful way, actually. Deb and uh, lo loves to hear tales uh, read to her. And on Sunday, I, I read the first chapter of The Lord of the Rings to her out loud, you know, I sort of with me doing voices and such, which was just a, a delightful thing. It's something we used to do together in the, back in the 90s when we were first married. And um, somehow or other, we've allowed that to get crowded out. And um, I want to reread really The Lord of the Rings. And I sort of offered to read it out loud. And she and she sort of said, yeah, okay. And I don't know if that will last. I don't know if that was just a one shot. Um, but I've left it for a few days. I'm waiting for an opportunity where we can sit when we're not tired and exhausted again. That'll probably be Sunday because Sunday is becoming the day in which we rest. Um, you know, it is uh, a day where I, I turn off all this digital stuff and uh, I turn away from destruction and I have made space for rest and um, yes, for my Christian worship too. And um, in there is the space for imagination. And uh, that's where reading fiction again has found a home because you know, you need. I need space uh, as a reader. I need space and time to process it and not just be distracted. And um, yeah, that was such a rich experience last Sunday. So all of these things have kind of come together um, over the last few days in a really quite wonderful way. And I just wanted to capture that. Um, I don't know if this is going to make any sense to you guys, uh, but um, yeah, I'm I'm heading into into new territory for me really in, in terms of my imagination is is. Uh, blooming I suppose and I am rediscovering what I really want from these games of fantastic other worlds.